What's going on, Playmakers? Welcome back, friends. Brittany and I were just laughing because um, right before this, I was like, my mic was like spinning. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, Ashley, no one can hear you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you literally sound like you're yelling at me from the bathroom. So I know. We've come a long that. way, though. You know, <laughs> we've come a long way. But thank you for being here. If you're if you're new, welcome. Yes. So we are so happy to have you here at More Than a Season podcast for all of our new followers out there. We just like to talk about, you know, the sports industry, women empowerment, finding your identity within this crazy, crazy industry that we're all in. And if you're not in the sports industry, you're still welcome here. Just come and hang out with us and listen to our crazy stories. Yeah, we like to laugh a lot. So if you follow our Instagram, you can tell our personalities just shine ever so brightly through there. (laughs) We love our reels. And so if you don't follow us already on any of our social media platforms, please go ahead and do so because we love to share the funny parts of being in this industry and just kind of make light of our situations. Yeah, you got to laugh at it. It's already hard enough. So you might as well (laughs) laugh a little bit of the chaos that we're all living. But if you would just pause right now on this episode, if you're not following us already, already that would be awesome or give us a review on your choice platform that you listen to us on yeah we so appreciate any of these reviews that you leave for us they actually just added a spotify review so Mm -hmm. if you are a spotify listener you can now rate and review on spotify and we would absolutely love if you would do so right now it just makes our day and it helps other people to find us so thank you in advance yeah i'm team spotify what about you are you apple I'm Apple because I don't I, my Spotify got hacked like no. <laughs> like four years ago and Drew and I decided oh we'll be on the same Spotify like well he's just gonna pay for Spotify and I'll just listen because I'm not a huge music person no one come after me but <laughs> I listen to music here or there but not crazy and so I was like I'll just join on yours and I'll listen here or there but I never realized how annoying that is because he listens 24 7 mm-hmm. so if I want to go listen to something I like have to ask permission like during Christmas he was like are you listening to Christmas music again and I was like yeah he's like yeah it came on on my office speakers I was like oh that's embarrassing yeah the only thing that's kind of like a downside of Spotify that makes me laugh is like if you're listening to a playlist some of them have some like really funny names and so it shows like if you follow the people and so I didn't realize Carson like messaged me he's like what are you listening to because I was getting ready to like I don't know where we're going like dinner or something and I love me some Chris Brown but the playlist that I found it was like sexy chick hot chick you know get ready go out ladies night and had like lipstick emoji and I was just dying because I was like okay that's that's not the whole playlist I just saw a Chris Brown song yeah I've totally seen Drew's playlist too and I'm like I'm sorry this is like really gross and vulgar but it's like not obviously he didn't come up with the playlist name it's just like what he's listening to or like I don't know I'm yeah. an Apple podcast girl all the way. Yeah, so moral of the story, watch what you're <laughs> listening to and who you're People following. can see. <laughs> People can see what you're listening to. Yes. Well, guess what I got in the mail? What? Oh, y'all don't come after me for my age because everybody's going to be like, you're so young. I just got my 10-year... Uh, anniversary mm. for high school yeah I'm gonna be with those people or that are reunion. coming after you <laughs> yeah reunion whatever you want to call it reunion your tenure reunion yeah so so you graduated high school in 2012 yeah wow yep yep, yep. yep. so 10 years has gone by and honestly I just you know you think of your tenure reunion like when you're graduating high school because they kind of tell you about it and they're like oh we'll be back here in 10 years and the way that I thought my life was gonna be like I was gonna be living this like lavish lifestyle on a yacht (laughs) I don't even know I had the weirdest like 
I don't know, just outlook of what my life was going to actually be like. Yeah, I literally had that exact same vision in my head of what I was going to be. When I graduated high school, I graduated in 2009. And when I graduated high school, I was telling my parents, like, I cannot wait to come back for my high school reunion in 10 <laughs> years. Like, I don't care about graduation. I don't care about, like, hanging out with it. I want to come back in 10 years. Like, I just thought I was going to be completely different yeah. than what I actually am. <laughs> I thought I was going to be, like, this rich, you know, soccer mom with, like, four kiddos and, like, okay, I am now 30 years old and <laughs> barely have my shit together, have no kids. Like it is totally opposite. So oh, it's yeah. so funny. No, I completely agree. I literally had it all planned out. Like I still have it planned out. I'm like, Carson, you need to get it together because this is what dreams are made of right now. <laughs> no, I, I had this like envision, like our high school has this, um, this giant circle drive. And so when you were to go to dances and stuff like that, our high school was literally one of those obnoxious Texas high schools. You would pull up in your party bus or like your limo and you'd hop out and it was like this grand entrance. And so I had this like belief in my head that we were just going to like have a driver take us down the lane and <laughs> put us in front of the high school. And then like I'd get out and I, I even know the dress that oh, yeah. I wanted to wear. Oh, me too. Yeah. Yeah. Floor length, black dress like completely strapless like I would just look hot as can be and like just, how I thought that I was oh, going to be wearing dresses like yeah. that all the time was also <laughs> hilarious like who did I think I was going to become that I was going to be wearing these dresses like 24 7 with heels like I can barely get out of leggings every day yeah so. it's just like carrying the martini glass like in hold my coat like when you walk through the door I don't know I had this whole thing planned out life is just not what you picture it to be sometimes and that's okay I think when we were younger picturing our life or at least me personally when I was younger picturing my life in my 20s and in my 30s is definitely not where I thought I would be but I think that that's the whole point of life <laughs> I think it's also funny too because I always would be like oh I would never move for a guy I would never move for a guy. I would always tell my friends like, oh, I I don't know how she did that. I would never do that. Mm -hmm. Well, then I moved to Washington to be with Drew. And then I had a friend that was living with her now husband, but she was living with him for about 10 years and they weren't married, but they had a house mm -hmm. together and they had cars together. And I was like, oh, I would never buy a house without being married. Like, you'll mm -hmm. never propose. <laughs> like, if you don't <laughs> if give him something to want well, here we are. So yeah. I just feel like you can never say never. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's so crazy because I, I definitely was that girl like before Carson and I decided our first move together, we weren't even engaged and we moved from Oklahoma City. I was living there and moved to Kansas with him. And I was so judgmental. I mean, I completely was like, I will never live with somebody that I'm not engaged to. And I think that's just like my old school way of thinking, but definitely did it and yeah. definitely put my foot in my mouth. It is none of anybody else's business, but you and the relationship. And I think also something that always gets my blood boiling is like, I'm on a soapbox, I'm going, <laughs> I'm on a tear, is just people with children, people without children. That doesn't mean your life is any less chaotic with or without. It's just like everyone's life is their own chapter that they're in and you don't know yeah you really don't you don't know what other people are going through something I love about being you know in my late 20s early 30s like I just love that I don't care anymore what people mm -hmm. think and I don't I try not to judge people for the way that they act or the things that they do. Yeah, I agree. I think I learned that a lot from actually from Brittany just because 
I used to just get really, I don't know if offended is the right word, but I just got so hurt. And Brittany was like, you just gotta, you just gotta shake it off because leading by example, she's just one of those people that's like, you know, just easy going, like, okay, it's whatever. It is oh, what it is. I'm not easygoing, but I definitely, <laughs> I just don't think I care anymore about what people think about me. And I also, mm-hmm. you know, like I just said, like I put my foot in my mouth so many times by saying I would never do that, that I decided, you know what, like people do things in those situations because they think that is the best thing for them at that time and good for them for knowing that and sticking with that and going with it you know good for you for moving across the country for a boy that you like and if it doesn't work out that's fine life goes on you know things happen and life goes on so I think that's just something I've really learned over over my 30 years you know I might not be uh, rich with my four kiddos and living in the Hamptons but I did learn a few things here and there. So we both have, we both have. And I think even with moving to this episode, I think that, you know, Ashley does such a great job today talking about all of the things that, you know, go into being a part of this lifestyle. And one of the topics that we haven't even touched on because we didn't know if there was a right fit yet, and she totally brought it, is just education with children and how it needs to be an inclusive experience. And not everywhere you live, you get that luxury. So it's super cool that she talks about it. She is honestly so, so amazing. We're so blessed to have her on this podcast. Her name is Ashley Milwe. Her husband coaches at the University of Texas for football. And so she talks about the inclusivity of this program that they have taken their kids to for a few years in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, when they were at the University of Alabama. And now in Austin, they have the same program. She just literally tells us things that are so fascinating about education and about raising your kids in this lifestyle and also having to deal with the things that we're just talking about. People assuming things or people telling you things that you should be doing with your kid when they don't know and they don't experience that so I think she just does an amazing job of explaining like how to love your kiddos for who they are and my mind has just been completely blown of just all the different opportunities there are out there and it is so cool to know that there's more options yeah she really does a great job of explaining the education system and sharing all of her insight for kids that are special ed and who need that extra assistance within the learning and education program. So we will see you on the other side. We will be back in just a moment, but first we want to share a discount code from one of our favorite game day brands. I swear it is so hard to find clear game day bags that are stadium approved, but also cute. Every single year I'd purchase a game day bag from Amazon and it never failed that during the game, my stuff would break and I'd be holding all of my items in my hand. And so we finally found Sheer Gear handbags and I have the EV with black trim and gold accents. Yeah, we absolutely love this brand. I personally have the Ella bucket bag with silver trim. What's great about these bags is that you can start the personalization from the beginning. There's the options of silver, black, and gold. And also you can select the color of your tassel, which can easily be changed out when you move. Every bag also comes with an accessory pouch, which will hide all of your intimate items. And you can customize this accessory pouch with your name or even your initials if you want to. So go to sheergear.com and use our promo code more than a season 10 for 10% off any clear bag. 
This is our favorite time of the week. When When's the last time you've gone to Austin, Texas? Let's talk about that for a second. I was just in Austin, Texas, actually. I was there in January. We always go during January for Drew's family. So Yeah, Austin is one of those hidden gem places. It's where you can get all of the world combined and all the things that you need <laughs> right in one location. It's so fun. Yes, and our special guest is actually living currently in Austin. We really are excited to have her here. We're going to dive into a topic that we just have not touched and we found the right person to talk about it. It's so interesting because this topic in general, and we were just talking about this before we hopped on and recorded, but it's just not talked about in the sports industry. In general, I think it's becoming more of a topic that's discussed, but in the sports industry specifically, it's not. And so without further ado, we're going to let our special guest go ahead and introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself and then we'll dive in. Hi, ladies. I am Ashley Milway. My husband is AJ Milway, and we are located in Austin, Texas. He is the quarterback coach here at the University of Texas. So that is not where your journey first began, though. It always is so interesting when someone says, hey, I'm, I'm living here. I'm like, that's not the whole story. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about where you've moved. I know that your story is a little bit unique um, with the sense of where you have been and how many seasons in between. So kind of just give us a summary. Yeah, so I actually met my husband 10 years ago when he was coaching at East Mississippi Community College. He was the quarterback coach there, and we met in the middle of the season. And after that first season, he was hired at the University of Akron in Akron, Ohio, and we were there for seven seasons. So he was the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator there, And then our journey took us back down south to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, He was on staff with the University of Alabama football staff in an analyst role. And we were there for two seasons. And we recently, last year, came to the University of Texas as the quarterback coach. So East Mississippi, are you from Mississippi or how did you guys? So no, I'm actually from Alabama. So uh, a mutual friend actually introduced us. Someone also in the coaching world introduced (laughs) us. But no, I'm not from Mississippi and neither is my husband. And then you just followed him to Akron. You're like, let's go. Let's let's do this. (laughs) <laughs> yep, I guess when you know, you know. Yeah. I mean, in this, in, I mean, when you meet your significant other. So I followed him to Akron. I love that. So that's awesome. And let's talk about your kiddos real quick. So kind of tell us a little bit of who they are, how old. Yes. Yeah, so we have two boys. One is five, who is special needs. And our other son is four, who's a traditional learner. And we had both of them when my husband was at the University of Akron. So while we were there the whole seven seasons, you know, we were dating and engaged, marriage and all kids all wow. within that first seven seasons there. So we had a lot going on yeah. in Akron, Ohio. That's like a special place, I'm sure, because that's just like where everything kind of went down. You have two kids and you said one with special needs and one that's a traditional learner. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit and talk about, I guess, the correct term for you know, kids with special needs or kids with like learning disabilities, like, can you dive into exactly what that means to you personally and what you kind of learned about that? Yes. So we actually started our testing, right? Our medical Mm -hmm. testing when we were at Akron, when we knew something was going on with some of his developmental 
delays, I guess you would say. And we just thought it was something, you know, he had a couple surgeries. So we just thought it was something stemmed there and we kept going. And at a year we're like, okay, you know, he's still regressing, you know, something else is going on. And we were already, you know, very connected within the community and our church community. And I reached out to some friends and they helped guide us through that process of how, you know, how to get help through doctors and specialists and testing. And there's a huge medical community within Akron and Cleveland area. So he has basically two diagnoses. You know, one is intellectual disability. He is on the spectrum. So he is autistic. And then he actually has a syndrome related around his eyes. So just one of them's affected, but he doesn't, as of now, he has no vision problems, but it's something that, you know, does affect him as well. So um, we weren't sure, like I said, we weren't sure if they were connected or not, but we consider our kiddo, we call him, I call him a special learner or SPED, right? So a lot of, I mean, I think SPED or special education is used more commonly, especially within the education side, because that's the goal, right? Is SPED and traditional learners are intercombined growing up within education. But yeah, so we call them a special learner or or SPED kiddo, whatever. I think those are two, I think they're both correct terms. So Yeah, I want to back up a little bit. So I know that when you're doing all those testing and you're trying to figure out you want the best for your child, it can be very emotional of a journey. And I know that you said that you were pregnant at the same time as well. So that's a lot going on in one chapter. So for testing and things like that, what was going through your mind? Was it kind of a survival mode of like, we will do whatever it takes to figure out what we need to do and what is best for our child. Yeah, I'm a very, let's get it done. Let's figure it out. I I like a game plan. (laughs) So, I mean, I didn't want to rush the process, especially because I didn't want a diagnosis to be forced on us that may not look the right way, especially at that age. So we got his testing done for, you know, his intellectual disability around, he was about two and a half, a little over two and a half when we received the official diagnosis. But while I was pregnant, we knew something was going on. So for that whole year of waiting for the testing, since it's very hard to get in with, you know, a a certain neurologist or certain Mm -hmm doctor that is qualified to do that testing, we received a lot of private therapy Mm -hmm. to help him in that journey. Since we didn't know, right. We had a lot of, you know, every therapist said, Oh, we think it's this or that. But once we had that diagnosis, it was like, okay, let's go forward and let's do it. And we actually received the diagnosis when we were in transition, like our staff was let go in that December. And I believe the testing was January and we found out February of the official diagnosis and we moved, you know, my husband moved in March and the kiddos and I moved in April. So it was very like, oh, your kid's special needs. And now you're moving to a different part of the country. Oh you know, we got to figure it out. Yeah. But I'm, my personality is very, I would say sometimes abrasive for some people, but it's, <laughs> I mean, I want the best for my kids. So if you're going to say, okay, he has this and he needs this. Okay. Let's go get it. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to pick up the phone and call people or email people and ask for help. Right. At that point, it was a little in a gray area just because we just received the news. So we weren't super public with our information, but going back to our football community, that's kind of how we found our resources in our new town was through the football coaches wives, you know? Yeah. I think that's kind of an interesting point you bring up because I know that like when you have young kiddos, we don't personally have them, but people are constantly telling you what you need to do with your kids, right? And I know that you said like we felt this way and that is why we got him tested and you wanted to kind of find out the right 
diagnosis versus just jumping at whatever they were saying first. And I wanted to know like what you thought if you deep down in your heart feel something is maybe off or different, like what's that first step that you can recommend for others to take for their children? So we went just to our pediatrician. Okay. So, you know, younger than age five, those kids are going to the doctors a lot more often. So we had a 12 month checkup. Everything was okay. Right. A lot of the things he was doing was normal. I guess you would say some of them were triggers to see something was off, but it was at 15 months is when I raised my hand to the pediatrician. I said, I think something's off, you know, he's not saying these words anymore. And he used to, and, Mm -hmm. but you know, the doctor's only in the room for so many minutes and they see, you know, they only see what they see in the room. Um, but she was great. She said, you know, at 18 months, let's, let's look I mean, in three months, let's see right right. where he's at. And when we went at three more months, she, she agreed with me and she helped me get the resources and, and federally across the U S when a child's under the age of three, they receive federal or state services through the area. So we received early intervention services in Ohio and that helped us get the testing we needed to know who you call or what wait list you get on. But starting with your pediatrician and, and if you don't like your pediatrician, if they're very Mm -hmm. against you, that, I mean, that's your, you know, your sign to change. right? Right. So, but a lot of private therapies will take an undiagnosed child. There are a lot of children out there because there is actually no diagnosis for certain children, even though they know something is going on, right? Mm -hmm. Especially a little more medical, right? Some more medical fragile children. There's just, they may be one out of a million. So there's actually a lot of private therapy places that will take on your child as a client and start working with them until certain services can get set up. Yeah. So, and our pediatrician let us know as well, you know, here's a list of a couple of places in town that do speech and OT and, and physical therapy, right. To kind of help guide that. And that's if, you know, you have insurance or you want to private pay and et cetera. So our pediatrician was very, very helpful with that. That's good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think that not everyone has the personality that you do to be like, okay, what do I need to do next? Like, let's go. Cause sometimes I feel like that I would get information and be like, I don't even know where to begin. So thank you for sharing that. And with that, let's dive to education. So you moved to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and you are like, okay, well, education's coming up. This is the next step for my kiddo. And you're trying to navigate those pieces. So how did you find the RISE school or RISE program? And kind of just give us um, a summary of what that's all about. So we actually found the RISE school through the Saban family. So in our transition, I was going to be working in Tuscaloosa. So I had to look for childcare options, but I wanted to make sure we found a program that would be accepting of JJ and his Mm -hmm. diagnosis and be able to help him if there was a program like that. And there's quite a bit of amazing programs in Tuscaloosa, Alabama and child care centers. And the Rice School was on a list we received. And at that time, we weren't very public with JJ's diagnosis at the time. You know, his therapists and doctors knew, but we weren't hey, my kid has this, right? We weren't very open about it because we just received the information ourselves. So I was very happy I toured it to understand what RISE was. I wasn't you know, quite sure exactly what the program held. And so I'm truly, truly grateful for the Saban family for introducing it to us because that is, I mean, that's what really saved our family and kind of helped guide us to what, you know, JJ's needs are within education. So a little bit about the Rice School is they are actually known nationally 
they're recognized nationally as an early childhood education program. So not just a daycare, it's a it's an education program for children up to kindergarten. So the Tuscaloosa location in general serves children from six weeks old up to, you know, before the kids go to kindergarten. And predominantly, most of the children have disabilities. It's about half and half, but it's a unique blend. So it's special education, early childhood development, early childhood education for the traditional kids, but also integrated therapy. There's seven locations in the country, but all of them have full-time speech therapists, full-time occupational therapists, physical therapists. Some of the locations have full-time nurses, depending on some of the child's needs. And it's truly incredible to be able to have your child go there and as an education, not just a daycare, but also get, you know, services that they need, medical services. So, yeah. And the other part of the program is they help with the phase out of. So when, you know, a child turns five or they turn five in the middle of a school year or they're six and then they're ready to go to kinder they support within the local community of where your child goes next. So wow. setting up, and some of these sped mamas may know, ARD meetings or IEPs um, set up. So they are hands-on with that transition because they've been with your kiddo for the last year or four years or however long you've been with the program into making sure that the public school or the private school or the charter school or wherever your child's going to go next knows what your child needs to excel and succeed. And that includes the services that they would need too. Wow, that's amazing. I feel like that's something that's not talked about again. Like I know that, you know, they do have different integrations within the traditional schools for these sped kiddos. And I think that the thing that's not talked about is like, well, where where did they find that before part? And how do they bring that in? And how do these people know these kiddos? And it's not just like some random person that's pushed on them. And I know that can be scary for anyone, especially kids. I, that would be scary for me. Like, <laughs> who are you and why are you like helping me? So I think that's awesome. Did you have both of your kids at the RISE program together? Yes. So that was something that's very huge. Like inclusion-based education and learning is huge for us because our youngest, Jet, I mean, he has to understand that JJ is different than him, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the whole goal of RISE is it's inclusion-based and having that peer model program. And so every classroom has, I mean, it's a mixture of both. And like I said, the special needs kiddos, it's a wide range. Some are intellectual disabilities. Some don't have intellectual disabilities. Some are physical disabilities. And then seeing them all work together in a classroom is truly amazing. So when you talk about emotional development with kiddos, I mean, our four-year-old gets those emotional and social cues that most four-year-olds don't get. And he was getting them at age two, right? Because they were, a lot of people are like, oh, how does he understand, you know, when someone's sad and to go check on them? Most two-year-olds don't really understand yeah. that unless they're checking on mom or dad, but not some kid in their class that they may not sit at the same table every day, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, really interesting to see that peer model because not just fed kiddos get the benefit out of it, but so do the peer models. And that's, I mean, that's the world nowadays, right? When they go to elementary school, the whole point is to have sped kiddos emerged in traditional classrooms. And if the traditional kid is, you know, doesn't experience that early on in life, how do they know, right? right? How to communicate and interact with kiddos that aren't like them. So yeah, I think kids too are very like vocal. They'll say exactly what's on their mind. It's it's great, right? They have no filter. But in that <laughs> sense too, like you also need to tell them like, hey, this is something that's different than you. And I don't think we as at least I didn't as a child learn 
that much when I was that young, like how people are so different from you. But I think having that like early education, like you were mentioning, is just so invaluable. Yeah. With JJ, I want to ask, did you have a conversation kind of lightly? I know that he's very young, but about learning and like if he gets frustrated with different kids in the class or different things like that, how do you communicate with him that, you know, this is the way you're learning, like you're special in this way? Because I feel like a lot of parents, there's that deciding factor between do I share this information with him now or do I wait until he's older and like in the public school system to share the different learning specialties or needs that they may have? Yeah. So I don't quite know if AJ, you know, because he has an intellectual disability, understand Mm. that he's quite different. I feel like when he was younger, maybe because he would get obviously more frustrated and, you know, I'm trying to say these words, they may not be coming out right Mm -hmm. in complete sentences. And why are these kids not looking at me or they're walking away? And these are not kiddos right in his classroom, just, you know, outside at the park or something. I think the biggest thing though, is we try to make sure he's not treated any different, especially Mm -hmm. within the household and he's held to the same standard as his brother. So I think that's the biggest thing. But when we talk about doing things different or explaining why maybe this isn't the right way, Rise supports that, right? So gentle hands, walking feet, some of the basic, you know, wording that they use within the classroom, we also use at home to try and just make our lives a little bit more smoother. And a lot of that has worked, right? I don't want to explain to them, hey, you're hitting your brother because you don't understand you can't hit it, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, gentle hands, we have to be nice with our hands, right? So and trying to do that to the best of our abilities and making sure that he's not completely upset, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it's kind of a hard question to answer, right? Because I yeah. don't, I mean, we know he understands his syndrome going on with his eye, right? Um, it's called Dwayne syndrome. It only affects one of his eyes and he can see out of his left eye. It's a nervous, you can't look left. Mm. So he knows something's going on because he'll cross his right eye. He thinks it's silly sometimes if people give him <laughs> attention. Yeah. So I think he's, he knows he's different that way, but that doesn't really affect his you know education and intellectual disability as much. So I don't know. We'll have to see maybe when he gets a little bit older, if he really understands that he's different. I like that answer, though, just because you said you hold him to the same standard as your other son and not in a way of like you need to lay down the law. But I think that that is so great because they're learning from each other as siblings. So I think that's amazing that that's the standard that you have in your household. Yeah. And then have you guys talked about I know they're young, but have you talked about, you know, that next step of them going into traditional school and what that kind of looks like, what your plan is, or, you know, that next step with both of your kiddos? Yes. So we actually live close to the elementary school that they go to. So they see it every day and they get to see all the kids walking home. It's within our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it's a very walkable school, but there are still buses. So he sees some of the kiddos, you know, getting off the bus on our street and he's like, Oh, I want to go take the bus or, you know, they're walking to school with their mom. So we explain, yeah, you get to do that next year mommy will walk you to school and pick you up and and they have a program for jet our youngest as well similar peer model but it's within the public school and so he's I think he's really excited about that yeah he does ask oh does so-and-so or was so-and-so come to some of the kids in his class and having to explain that is a little more hard just like when we moved you know he would ask about some of his friends at the Tuscaloosa Alabama rise hey are they going to come to the Texas rice school, right? <laughs> so it, it was very interesting 
interesting, right? Trying to explain that yeah. <laughs> to him that he won't see those friends, you know, and, and we all FaceTime, but he'll be like, hey, why do you live in Alabama and not Texas, <laughs> right? I live in Texas. Why can't you move here? So I love that. I don't think he understands that quite, but no, I think he understands the next step that he will go to a new school in the fall. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about the transition because you find out, okay, we might be moving or we are moving or someone got fired, you know, that, that transition, that coaching carousel. And you're looking at that next step. You know, some places don't have these education opportunities. Some places don't have these RISE programs. Was that ever a worry in your head or is it a worry in your head of like the next school we go to, it could not be the same integration within the school system? Not necessarily just because JJ has, I mean, both of the boys have gone through quite a bit of transition and change in their life and they've done at very well, right. With mm-hmm. it. And we've supported that. So with this move specifically, we did not have to worry about that. Right. So like I said, there's seven rise schools in the country. JJ turned five. So we said, okay, do we do kinder? But when we were told, you know, Hey, you're coming to Texas. We're like, oh, there's a, there's a rise in Austin, yeah. right? So we knew, okay, let's do like kindergarten one more year and let's do rise. And the school, I mean, moving from Tuscaloosa, which is a smaller college town, to Austin, Texas, Austin's huge. Yeah. So we were driving 20 to 30 minutes one way to the rise school uh-huh. because it's worth it for right. us, right? We know the value of it. But with other services, I mean, everything, we had to dig at new speech. We didn't have ABA at the time. I mean, they had ABA when we left in Tuscaloosa, but we're like, okay, we'll try ABA. So trying to find that is always difficult no matter where you go. Yeah. But not every kid needs a rice school, right? I think every sped kid's different. And I think the parent and the doctors have to figure out like what works best for that child. And with technology these days have changed too of what's available. And it may not be in your, in that town, but it may be 30 minutes away. Mm -hmm. Right. And is that something you're willing to do? Right. Right. So now we're, we're in Austin, right? Where we reside and where the kids go to school, but that's almost a 30 minute drive one way, right? So when you look at it, if you move to a small town, are you willing to do that? But I think with moving in general, the coaching industry is not different than any other industry, right? So there are offers out there and and some people move not because they get fired, right? Because another opportunity comes about and all these moves are family decisions, just like if you're moving in the tech industry. So I think if that ever comes a time where, you know, when we, not if, when that comes again, (laughs) right, we have to look at that and see, is that a good fit for our family? Not just because of special ed, but is that a good fit for our family overall? Yeah, I love that perspective. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think that sometimes we forget when we're in the industry, all the the little details that go with it and things that you have to, I don't want to call them sacrifices, but almost things that you have to prepare yourself for. And we always laugh because we're like, oh, you know, we're used to driving like an hour and a half, two hours to a big airport. But for other people, there's different things that are needed. And you're like, well, I mean, that's normal for us. So I feel like you just adjust to the situation that you're given. And I think that that's great that you're kiddos have had so much transition at an early age so they know the routine and they know what it's like for that maturity aspect and with rise i know that there's a community built around it so do you feel the support of the community with the rise school and do you feel like you're involved and you have a a role in that program as well yes so 
like I said, there's seven locations in the country for RISE programs. So specifically to Austin, RISE is well known within the Austin area, I would say, especially if not, it's very well known within the SPED community. Mm-hmm. So NJM, Mac, Jack, and McConaughey's Foundation, RISE of Austin is one of the beneficiaries of that foundation. And same thing with you have American Campus Communities, which is, you know, headquartered out of Austin. And they're all over. I don't know if you guys have them at your colleges, but ACC are big supporters of RISE. So within the community, there are so many people that support RISE, even they don't have that connection of having a sped kid, Mm -hmm. but they've seen the effects of it. And I think a lot of it though, too, is like, when you talk about community with even not with RISE, but with coaches and athletes and their spouses, you go support the team wherever you're at, but you're also very in with your community and you support your community. And, And even if you don't have a nonprofit, you support, you have a church community. And that's how I feel like you get to know about a lot of these programs, but specifically for coaches that give back, that's how Rise started. When you look at it, if you like look at the websites and the Uh history of it. So coach Stallings got hired at Alabama and there was not a rice school there. And, you know, he has the son with Down syndrome they didn't have a rice school. So in 19, I think it was 1994, they opened Rise of Tuscaloosa mm-hmm. with the stalling help. And then the one in Austin started in 2003 because of Coach Mac Brown and Miss Sally. So it's interesting to see that, I mean, it's not just what Rise does to the community, but it's also the people that move to the community, what they do for Rise. Because, you know, these football coaches, these two specifically, I mean, st- help start these rice schools. And now you have my husband who's a football coach yeah. and we're benefiting from mm-hmm. it, right? It's like you said, very uncommon to move to a community and everything's there, right? For you, especially the same school. But yeah, so it's awesome living in Austin and everyone knows about rise and, and ask how they can support or it's, it's very cool. Yeah. I have like chills. I feel like that's just so cool that this football community and in general, our sports community is just amazing. And it expands, like you just mentioned, to all these places and people kind of help each other out. And I think we would love to see rise in more locations. I know specifically here, we had somebody that was on our team that would have loved to benefit from a rise program or something like that. So I feel like the more information we can get out there about these programs, the better and more this program can reach and more people and more kiddos can help out. But I kind of want to talk about your inclusion sweatshirts. First of all, they're really cute. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about where that (laughs) idea came from and like what that benefits and give us the rundown of that. Yeah. So last, spring when we were, I just left my company and we, you know, we were packing up our house and I was saying my goodbyes to rise to Tuscaloosa and everything that they've done. I came up with this idea and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be working. I mean, every mom uses their voice for their kids and, you know, help advocate Mm -hmm. for them. But sped mamas do a lot, you know, like working with the school district and making therapists and, you know, advocating for what their kiddos need. And I was like, I want to do something with my voice more than not just for JJ, but like for other kids right? Mm -hmm. And, and hopefully help benefit rise of Austin, right? We're going to a new city and trying to just network and I mean, raise awareness with people in the community that, because like I said, if some people don't know about rise because rise or Austin is growing so crazy. So if they move here and they don't have sped kiddos and they live on the other side of town, they may stay in their neighborhood, right? And then may learn about rise five years down the line. So I wanted to design a sweatshirt and my husband 
love the idea <laughs> to sell it. And the proceeds would go back to Rise Austin, but you know, we would own own the campaign. And we wanted you a sweatshirt where everybody can wear it, not just, you know, if you go to the Rice School, a parent or kid buys it, but anybody. And so I call, we called it the inclusion sweatshirt. So it's a really cute sweatshirt. You can do, you know, monochromatic colors with the same inclusion across the chest or that rainbow, you know, wording and just make it fun. And we do, we did put the Rise Sunshine logo. It's, it's the sun on it, but it doesn't say Rise on the sweatshirt. So I've had a lot of feedback since we launched back in December about it from other parents and they just, they love it. And they say, okay, it may not be going to my kid's school or, or my kid's therapist. Right. But they love the message around it and how this, how we're spreading awareness of inclusion based education, especially not just in Austin, but there's people buying it all over the country, which we thought was amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I saw it on Instagram and I was like, first of all, I love the word inclusion in general. And I think, you know, it's just really powerful right now. It's a great it's a great word for our community. It's a great word for these kiddos to learn at an early age. Like I just love the mission behind it. And so we're just super impressed by that. And we'll definitely share everything in our show notes and on our Instagram as well. So if you're interested in buying a sweatshirt, you can do so by those links. Yeah, it's pretty great. And we always ask one more question. We love to ask this question to round out our interviews and it's a good one. And so I want to ask you if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something to help you in the sports industry, it could be with education with kiddos, or it could just be yourself in this uh, sports industry journey that you've been on. What would you share um, with your younger self? I would say, so my husband says the same, and I think there's other coaches that say this too. And I wish I knew this year one. I mean, he said, I think you're two or three, but it was be where your feet are. Mm-hmm. right? We know in this industry, we move like crazy. Some people don't move right for seven seasons. Like we didn't, some people move every season and whether it's good or bad, but be where you are, right? Be where your feet are. So I feel like within your community. And I mean, I, I grew up a lot, right. In Akron. I mean, like I said, we got engaged, married, had kids, but we loved our time there. Cause we planted our feet there. We weren't worried. Oh, are we going to, you know, I think everyone thinks, are we going to leave after season? Right. Right. Maybe. I mean, it goes through mine, but what, I mean, in July, you're, you shouldn't be worried, right. If you're (laughs) moving and in July before football season, I mean, you should be interacting with neighbors and your church, if you're affiliated with the church. And that was huge for us. And I feel like ever since then, right. I mean, Mm -hmm. after year one, and he said that I'm like, Yeah. And I feel like every move since then, it's just been easier and we leave somewhere, but we still, I mean, we still talk to people in Akron, Ohio. We still talk to people in Tuscaloosa, Alabama and anybody we've met along the way. And they, they may, you know, be at other programs. And I feel like that's the biggest thing. If I could go back to before year one and tell me that right before I moved to Akron, Ohio, I feel like that would be the biggest thing is be where your feet are. And I'm sure other, you know, wives have heard that too, maybe from their coaching husband or a different coach on staff. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. We love that too. We, we also would tell ourselves the same thing. It's like presence and being exactly where you're at and being present in the moment. So I love that. That's actually what I'm focusing on this year. So you're just reminding me of things that I'm trying to focus (laughs) on, but I actually have one more question. I want to, I want to ask you real quick, if you don't mind, what is your favorite parenting advice you've ever received? Love who your children are. Oh, I like just that. love them. I like that. Especially now than ever, because you're so worried when your kids are babies. Oh, am I doing this right or wrong? Or, 
and, you know, not trying to be TMI, but, oh, should I, you know, switch to bottle fed breast? Mm -hmm. No one cares, right? Like just love your kids who they are. And like social media, we share all of our information out there. It has became the new norm and like, oh, look, our son just started walking or this person Mm -hmm. started doing this. And that's great to connect with everybody, you know, all your friends, especially in this industry where you don't get to pick up the phone and talk to someone you coached with 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like we have to be cautious of that and not compare, right? Of that, If your kids aren't hitting those milestones, like JJ wasn't, but we still loved him, yeah. right? Because yeah. I mean, he's not going to change. I mean, he's still our son and same with Jet. So I think that's the best advice I've ever gotten. And I got it when I was pregnant is just love them for who they are. Like they're your kids. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a great answer. I think that sometimes it just, you get all wrapped up in the moment. We don't have kids, but I feel like we are soaking in all the parenting <laughs> advice for future. I'm <laughs> so, like, I have to ask. I'm going to write, it, write down. it down. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. And where can someone find you on Instagram if they want to just reach out and ask any questions about the Rise School? Yeah, so I am... I actually am public now. I changed that (laughs) ever since doing, you know, doing this sweatshirt launch, but I am just at Ashley Millway. Awesome. So perfect. And I'm on Facebook too. If you guys want to ever connect with me or ask questions, I mean, and rise themselves. And I tell people, I say, don't be hesitant. If you want to learn more about rise, you can always, you know, reach out to your local, you know, location because they are amazing, amazing staff there too. If you have any questions. That's awesome. And we'll put everything in the show notes too. So if you guys are interested in finding more about Rise or the Inclusion Sweatshirts or Ashley, you can find that all in the show notes. But thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on More Than a Season Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at More Than a Season Podcast for the latest updates. If you've enjoyed this episode, please download, subscribe, or leave us a review on your choice of platform. See you next time.